In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. And we are sitting here today with Allison Bailey, Ben Felder, and Chase Harvick. Hi, guys. Hey. Hello. Welcome, welcome. So the the whole point of bringing this in is we were, I don't even remember how it started. I think it was a, a joking Twitter conversation about doing a podcast about podcasters. Um, it's very so meta. Ben, you do the Capital City podcast for the Gazette. That's correct. Right? Chase, you work for OETA. Yes. And you do the up with Downton podcast. Yes, recap and analysis. Recap Very and analysis nice. of yes, this week's correct. Downton Abbey, and you're also getting ready to do another podcast. Yeah, it's actually a uh, video podcast or a, a vodcast. Okay, vodcast. Would, if, if you would uh, prefer. Um, yeah, it's the Okie Nerd Geekcast, and we are in development. We have uh, you know so many cool, unique things here in Oklahoma that are not kind of mainstream, and we're going to explore that. Uh, our, we did a pilot episode that did really well with a guy named Zach Scott, who's Oklahoma's most popular YouTube a YouTuber. He uh, was an early adopter of the Let's Play movement and uh, currently has, I think, 600 million views and over a million subscribers. And he was a- just able last month to quit his job and do that full wow. time. What's the Let's so, Play movement? Um, where you record yourself. Playing video games. Is it okay? Yeah. I mean, is that the one that South Park makes fun of that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that he he uh, he's not as big as Pootie Pie, which I think <laughs> is kind of a, you know, but uh, he's Oklahoma's Pootie Pie. Wow. But that was a lot of fun. So it's a good claim to fame. We're we're revamping it a little bit, and hopefully uh, late this summer we'll we'll have uh, just keep an eye out on OETA social media. Is Michael that. Cross <laughs> going to be on? Yeah, on Michael's that? involved. Absolutely. And Allison, we asked you on because we just heard that you've been on a lot of these shows. and yeah. I think I'm the number one guest on Ben's yeah. Capital I don't, City yeah, podcast. Yeah. More of a co-host, I yeah. guess, at this point. <laughs> not, not necessarily every week. Um, but uh, yeah, I've switched sides of the of table. I've started asking questions, guest, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and honestly, we've, we've talked about having you on in the past, and there's so many things you're involved in, we couldn't pick a topic. So this seemed like a good place to start. I'll piggyback on this one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds great. So, how long have you been doing Capital City? Um, well, not quite a year. I've, I've been at the Gazette for about a year. I was actually running a blog called Capital City before that. that oh, okay. Kind of looked at uh, um, uh, just kind of news and political issues, and um, and that was kind of the gateway into the Gazette. And uh, they wanted to be they wanted to do some podcasting, almost like every you know print publication wants to do something just to do it because they feel like they should be. Um, so there wasn't really any kind of specific plan or you know goal in mind. Um, in fact, uh, the only thing they kind of wanted it to be was kind of diverse and, and subject. Um, so we uh, launched about a, a year ago. It, I mean, the goal is to do it every week. It's not been every week, and just you know, because it's you know, we're you know, our first priority is getting the print product out. So you know, sometimes right, right. Uh, things uh, take a back seat. But uh, I mean, we just had a lot of just local guests, anywhere from local lawmakers, politicians, policymakers, um, and then just even average, average citizens. Um, you know, I, I remember an episode we did last year on education, um, and I had someone from from a, a local school, but I also I just had a parent that I interacted with on Twitter. 
Um, and didn't have a really great reason to like quote him in an article. So I thought well, this would be a good platform to just kind of bring him in and, and allow him to share his perspective. So, yeah. And you've got another host on the show with you. It's not just you. Uh, you know, we started last year. I did have uh, Corey Oswald, who's our assignments editor. He kind of started on, and now he's actually working on his kind of, I don't think it's launched yet, but he's working on another one that kind of looks at arts and music and band and stuff like that, which is just not, it's not my forte, but that's his passion. And so um, he's kind of working on that. But uh, so, yeah, in the early episodes, um, he did. Um, but right now, it's pretty much just me and then Allison when, when she's on. Yeah. Very cool. I usually come on when there's something related to downtown, some kind of event or community engagement. I'm an amateur urbanist. So when anything related to biking, walking, pedestrians, real estate development in downtown comes on, I usually have thoughts on it. Speaking of biking, actually, I I learned of a new establishment today on Broadway, uh, the Peloton Bar. Is that how you say it? P-E-L-O-T-O-N? Yeah. Right behind Schlegel Bicycles, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can take a bottle of wine home on Sundays. I don't know how many people are familiar with this concept here in Oklahoma City, but if, if you don't have any wine, you can actually get a bottle of wine on Sundays and take it home. The way that you do it is like you go to a place like the Peloton Wine Bar and you order a bottle of wine uh-huh. and then you drink a glass of it. And then if you don't finish it, they'll cork it up for you and you can take it home. So for anybody out there that's needing a bottle of wine <laughs> on Sundays, but they call themselves a bicycle bar. Mm-hmm. And I, I, was, I had never seen that before. It's really, it's it's a really intimate bar. It, yeah. I mean, the outside patio is what, like 20 by 20 maybe? Well, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's back it, behind the building, yeah. right? So I haven't actually been, I've just driven by there. It's neat. So I haven't even gone by to even check the place out yet. It's a really good spot for lunch. I've been there a few times for that. Oh, really? It's behind Schlegel, you said? It yeah. is. And the interior is maybe 10 by 10. It's yeah, very it's small. Super high. But the the outside patio makes up for that because I, I think it's really neat. I used I actually used images of it. I last year um, spoke at the mayor's roundtable, mm-hmm. downtown development thing, and I was talking about how I was predicting that alley businesses would kind of find more place in Oklahoma City because on the back sides of buildings there are some smaller broken up spaces mm-hmm. and in downtown we have a lot of we kind of have a lot of large spaces for micro businesses to occupy and so right. the alley spaces make a lot of sense and R&J's was under construction when I did that and so I took a photo of Peloton and a photo of R&J's and I think they've both been really successful even yeah. without having a street front Yeah, they're, they're quote unquote off the alley yeah it's fun. I feel like it kind of adds to the atmosphere of being yeah, a customer there. Yeah, it definitely there. does. So do you have to do you have to take a drink of the glass of wine? Yeah, I don't know anything about. Yeah, this you whole have wine to. Thing. Yeah, I was just I was looking into this today, and that's <laughs> you can you have to drink a, a like they'll pour you a glass of wine. You have mm-hmm. to drink that glass of wine. The whole glass. The whole glass. Okay. Well, I guess you don't have to. You could technically leave, leave it if you wanted, it, but why would you do that? But if you're needing wine, obviously. Well, but my question is, so if you know you need a bottle of wine, you realize it's Sunday, you run down there real quick. I guess this is why it's good to be on your bike, because if you ran down there in your car, you couldn't. You know, you were right. last, and you're, I don't know. Just seems the, like you know, they'll still welcome you if you come down in your car, though. That, that's that's the good part. They, well, they but you just you chug a glass of wine, right. you get the bottle back, you know, you get behind the wheel. I still think it's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, I'm just trying to plan ahead. It's responsible. Yeah, yeah. If and you can't hang out for a while after drinking a glass of wine, sure you could leave it. I, I was thinking of it actually in terms 
today because I had a friend that was uh, going to be cooking, you know, a, a dinner that required wine as an ingredient. And they're like, crap, we don't have any wine. Can we borrow some wine? I was like, I don't have any. I was like, well, wait a second. You can go down to Peloton and order a bottle, and they'll pour a glass up, and you can take the bottle home. And there you go. That's great. It was like that's there's going to be a law about that next year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think especially now that we've made this <laughs> loophole apparent, it's going to well, be closed. Well, and I think you can. Um, I think you can do that at Urban Wine Works as well. Yeah, okay, so you can go down to the Plaza District and do it too. So that, for this just, purpose, it wasn't for this purpose, but I actually just recently got this leather bottle carrier for my bike. It actually holds a bottle of wine or yeah. like a like a regular bottle of like Jameson or something like that. You can get like a. 0.75 milliliter. Oh, that's a picnic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the same company that makes it also makes a little carrier that'll hold a six pack and it just hangs <laughs> off the crossbar of your bike. And I can't remember the name of it, but um, it was purchased for me locally. I don't remember where. I'll have to look it up. But it's, it's for that purpose exactly. It's like, that's a great purpose. I've kind of been getting into the bike accessories because I've been biking a lot more the last. I bought a bike in January. I had a bike, but it wasn't a super comfortable bike, and it, I was using that as an excuse to not bike. And I bought a bike from Schlegel in January, and I so now you have no excuse. Loved it. Now I have no excuse, and yeah. I don't. I don't need an excuse because I kind of want. Like I even said that today, as I came down here. Gosh, I should have biked. I, yeah, I knew I should have right. biked when I came down here, but I thought I was running late, and it probably still would have been a better deal. And I haven't. I haven't biked that much down here. I don't even own a bike, but I live in Uptown. Um, or in Paseo, and anytime I come down here or at the you know, like the Midtown area, mm-hmm. I always drive, and it's not that far. But I've mm-hmm. never actually experienced it on foot or on a bike. And my daughter and I did the kids mile for the Memorial Marathon, mm-hmm. and my wife just dropped us off. And so we ran the mile, and then we walked up Automobile Alley and watched the winners come down, and then we turned around and walked back to the Memorial, and then walked from the Memorial home. Yeah. Realized that was nothing. nothing. Yeah, from and here. And look at everything we went through. We went through Automobile Alley. We went through Midtown, the Memorial, through Heritage Hills, past Twenty Third Street. So, yeah, I mean, from from this building to my place, which is just a couple blocks south of yours, it's like two point one yeah. miles. Like that's it's nothing on a bike, and it's barely anything on a. I mean, I visited Chicago a couple of years ago and probably walked like fifteen miles a day because that's just what you did. I mean, you maybe take the L somewhere and get off, but then you're walking everywhere. We just didn't have that mentality in Oklahoma City until... I think it's changing now. It's changing yeah. very drastically. Yeah, well, right a few now. weeks ago, Alice and I, our episode of Capital City was at uh, Open Streets on 23rd Street. One of the concepts we were talking about was they closed down this almost a mile stretch of 23rd Street, of which asking the average person to walk from one end to the other end of 23rd Street, I, I'm not sure too many people would do it. When you close it down, people were doing it back and forth. Oh, yeah. And so one of the concepts is that they're trying to promote is that um, your point A to point B is walkable if you just kind of like reconsider it or if you change the infrastructure that's involved. I mean, talk about like the Paseo and 23rd Street, then just a lot of people would say like, man, that'd be a little bit of a hike. It's only like four or five blocks. It's really not. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's one thing about the districts here, that they seem to be a little... Maybe it's districts everywhere, but just there's there's these barriers, you know. Yeah. And you guys were talking a couple weeks ago about you know with class and serving mm-hmm. as that barrier yep. between the Plaza District mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and uh and Mesta Park. And so these you know, even when I'm at Elemental and sometimes like I gotta go to Automobile Alley, in my mind I just picture it being this like I'm going from one end of downtown to the it's other. Like, that's like three and or four it's blocks like four too. blocks. Yeah. 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 And yeah, who, so who uh, was it from the Oklahoman who did the walk on Western? Brianna Bailey. Yeah, Brianna Bailey. Bailey. Job with very that, yeah. In, I really, really enjoyed that. Was that very piece. compelling. Yeah, and, and just seeing the diff I mean, it's one street that goes throughout the entire city, and just the difference, I mean, and, and she was able to, to walk, I don't know, 27 miles, and she did over three days, I think, but it was, 
is a really cool journalist. And the, the, and the parts to where she would point out where there was absolutely zero walkable sidewalk yeah. On, yeah. on some parts of Western. Mm-hmm. It was just so, some in the parts street. that were actually pretty cl- close to walkable areas. That yeah. was the other right. thing that I, I can't remember where she photographed one of the. I think it was near 30th and Western. Actually, was one of the photos maybe on Twitter. That might have been on Twitter. Um, but there is the sidewalk just kind of like falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there is any real sidewalk there at 30th. And that's over by like the cemeteries the cemeteries mm-hmm. over there. Right. Yeah. There's, there's no sidewalk over there. When I first moved here five years ago, you know, and the, and the city began to build more sidewalk through the mass program, everybody said, you know, we just for 30 years, 40 years, we did not build sidewalks. And I thought that was just an exaggerated say, exaggerated way of saying, we just didn't build a lot of sidewalks. I mean, the city mm-hmm. literally did not build sidewalks. I mean, mm-hmm. they just built whole neighborhoods <laughs> without sidewalks. And so, um, People still complain about that. I don't think people realize how much we're catching up. I mean, there's only so much you can do. I think, you know, you obviously can do, always do more. Um, but uh, it's there's been a lot of change and a lot of improvement for the better over the last several years. But we're still way behind the curve because literally for decades, we just did not build sidewalks here. This was not a priority. Mm-hmm. And with the new city app and, and I think social media, there's been a lot more discussion when people that are active on social media or active on reporting um, things back to the city find those breaks in sidewalks. And Mm -hmm. I know specifically there's a spot over on 16th just west of Classen where the sidewalk buckles and it's Mm -hmm. like eight inches off the ground. (laughs) And I think that's been photographed and shown up up in my (laughs) social media feeds many, many times. And I don't think of the... if the Plaza District was that popular and it wasn't that subset of very talkative online people mm-hmm. walking on that sidewalk, that that wouldn't be so noticeable. Like everyone knows where that is, and yep. it's not necessarily because we've all walked on it. So, although nope. I do walk on that a lot, yeah. So, so we're talking about bikes and kind of sustainable streets, and I feel like it's worth mentioning. So, this when this episode comes out later this week, there's actually a sustainable streets conference, the first one here mm-hmm. in Oklahoma. Oh, no, is it really? That's th- you're familiar, mm-hmm. Allison. So, it's uh, I think it launches uh, Thursday. Uh, what's the date? So, uh, the, I don't know. That, that coming Thursday. Is it All right, Livable no, Streets? Livable Streets. Livable Streets. So um, a three-day conference. It's it's a twenty-five dollars for ULI members, and only thirty-five if you're not. And I think there's. I just check out the website. There's a lot of things that are going on. Um, they're bringing in some pretty renowned speakers to talk about this issue of just bikeability and pedestrian issues. Um, there's also going to be a, a a bike tour. Um, I even think they have like a bike rodeo planned. I mean, so there's a lot of cool things. And a bike rodeo? That's yeah, that's cool. Like, kids. like yeah. some so barrel racing. Well, I, yeah, I don't really know what's gonna what's gonna be. But one thing that's really cool about this conference, and I think it's worth mentioning, is a lot of times you hear about a conference and. You know, it's like, all right, well, that's just for people who are insiders, professionals. They really have done a good job, I think, of trying to bring in people who are just average citizens yeah. um, to be able to come in and learn a lot. And, and most of the events are going to be held in the midtown and downtown area. Looks like this is uh, May 16th at City yes. Prez. Yeah, so there's one, one of the events is at City Prez. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's kind of scattered a little bit, but I believe it's $35 for, for the three-day Three oh, days of events. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be like a, I think there's a kickoff event at the pump bar. Mm. Perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, sure. it should, I think it's something that a lot of people, you know, like I said, even if you aren't like an insider, like you don't work as a transportation right. official or something like that, this is something that will still be very approachable. Um, you know, at the Gazette that Wednesday before, we actually, our, our cover story, and we de- we're devoting a lot to, to cycling issues. Um, and one of the concepts is that, you know, so we're one of the worst cycling cities in America. I mean, by almost every metric. Um, 
But when you look at like the best cycling cities, like Portland, it's not like they have 75% of their residents riding their bikes to work. Um, I mean, the percentage between us and them is really not that great when you take into consideration all commuters. I mean, they're still, they're still a car heavy city, even though they're talked a lot about being this cycling paradise. Um, there are a lot of things a city can do, not literally overnight, but within, within a short time period that can really change that. And, yeah. and then one of the stories in that we'll talk about just, you know, it, I think we kind of presented like 10 things Oklahoma City can do to become one of the best cities for cycling in America. And we're not talking about like maps like projects right. where you're spending almost the a billion dollars. The incremental small things are yeah. making a huge difference too. Yeah. Um, and and I think the, the, the local businesses supporting the bike rides like Elemental, Gusto, yeah. Big Truck Taco, you know, getting people out to go biking together every morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. or once once a morning. And this isn't a really crucial time to be talking about this as a city because we've got um, a potential. Or if we do a maps four, mm-hmm. that'll right. be coming up in 2017, yep. or the maps three will be ending. We've got a bond issue coming up, and I mean, city leaders are already thinking that this is going to be more neighborhood and transit focused than the last maps projects, and it's gonna that's only going to happen as people continue to talk about it and push for it. Um, so we're really kind of in that crucial. And something Allison yeah. and I talk about right now is like that planning happens now. It does. Right. So a lot of people won't be familiar with the bond until like a week before the vote and then they might see something like why is this not on it well it's because you weren't involved now right mm-hmm. um you know which is up to us or people like myself to get that word out but that, You're right. is, and, and also right. getting not just getting people involved but also getting people to be vocal yes mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying also people kept tweeting right. that picture that sidewalk it's like yeah. say something you about ha- it you have you, to report that to the city right. for them to know that that's an issue yeah. speak right. up say something i i really i mean kind of what started me on the capital city podcast was the, the bus station thing wasn't it or had the, I'd already been the on there a couple yeah. times. I think you'd been on before, but that's when you kind of came in after the uh, the downtown review committee's decision to demolish those or to allow the demolish right. of those buildings down there, including the old bus station. But that goes back. Well, to that's when I saw you. I think the first feedback. time I ever saw you being the most vocal on Twitter. The first time that and I noticed you on Twitter. I'm not usually real political on Twitter. I, right. I mean, I I have I have a lot of variety of clients, and I I always want them to feel comfortable talking to me about something and not ever feel like I'm going to, you know, have a very strict mindset about something. So I, I'm usually don't not miss, super political. Nobody mentioned the bus station. To <laughs> <laughs> That's one item that everybody knows about now. But that was something that I was really frustrated with was that my phone literally died that morning because of the Twitter notifications nonstop. And I was the only citizen there. And, right. and there were not everybody shared the same opinion on Twitter with me that was replying back mm-hmm. to me and that's yeah. fine but there were a lot of people that did and that like, feedback wasn't actually given to the people that make the decisions and exactly. so i think that's really important in this bond issue it's really important in our next maps projects and and really how we where we put money i mean this is our city's money there's a limited amount of it and we have to prioritize what that money goes to and it's not like we don't i mean we have a history in this city of deciding that we want to do something bold and grand and doing it Mm -hmm. in a way that other cities admire the hell out of Mm -hmm. and so that's that's what's promising to me that these things that we are still falling short in we've got we've got the the foundation is here the spirit is here as corny as that kind of sounds but um we've already done it so if we decide that we want to become one of america's best biking cities pedestrian friendly cities in america i mean i wouldn't doubt our ability to do that for a second if we could all just agree to do it Mm -hmm. well and i think i mean 
to jump back a little bit because I this you mentioned the class and thing to me something that spawned it was shortly I don't know if this was after your bus station thing or, or I love before. that it's my bus station <laughs> thing <laughs> it's just the, in my mind that's the way it is because like you're saying I didn't even know that meeting was happening until right, I saw right. your until you got voted right. your, your feedback coming out but I the and first, I was a little late to the game on that as well and I'm yeah. I usually read agendas of commissions and city council agendas. I'm that person that they put the video up for. But, um, but a lot, I mean, a lot of times there's not much notice on these things. So it is very important to be connected, but yeah. Well, the first ULI thing that I ever had my, dip my toes into was the class in, I think it might've been a, you mentioned the word charrette, a better better class thing. And it was the first time I, I don't remember how I saw it, but I was like, it, it was taking place at city Prez, and I worked downtown and I was like, well, it's right after I get off work. I'll just run over there and see what this is about. And I didn't expect what I walked into like at all. Cause I'd never done anything like that. And it was both extremely informative to, to listen to, I think Blair was giving this historical presentation of what class and was and that how was it really came. interesting. And it was yeah. really interesting, especially when you talk about the fact that the, the streetcar was a big part of that and how the developers did all that stuff. And it sort of spawned me. It's like, well, I need to be going to these things, and we need to be going to these things. And we had also participated in the Lake Hefner drilling uprising that took place. <laughs> uprising. And like you're saying, it only took 300 people, but the same situation. <laughs> Nobody knew that was that meeting was happening until like a week before. And if it wasn't for Ed Shadid yeah. going onto Facebook and Twitter and saying, hey, this is happening. You guys, if you, if you want to say something, you got to get out mm-hmm. here and say something. And then people came out and they said something. And while the city didn't take action, it ultimately, I feel like it caused so much bad press for the company that they just retracted the whole proposal. And they're like, we're just not going to, we don't want to touch this anymore because it's too, it's too dangerous for us now. And I think that's what you're saying is yeah. it's, it's the community getting involved. It's people not complaining after the fact. Right. And, and saying, well, find out. And Being if it's proactive about seeking information. <clears throat> and I think our yeah. city is, you know, we take for granted having a, a really active city Twitter account. I mean, you will get a reply from the yeah. city's Twitter account if you tweet them. Um, they will tell you to go put that problem on the app so that they can funnel it through the right people. But um, we have really a great resource. And with the redesign of the city's website and, and the things that I know that that public affairs department is working on so that they can better communicate these things to citizens so that it isn't a last minute thing and people are engaged in the process in its entirety. Um, we, I, I think we've got a, a great team working towards that because no. it, that is a, that is a huge task and you have such a diverse group of citizens that needs to, learn about these things and not everybody cares about everything. So right. you, it's even harder then, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the city's redesign of the website because I think that's going to make a huge But You said difference. the the app, what's the app that's so available? The city has an app and you can report potholes on it. Uh-huh. You can also, um, it has kind of action center items. I don't know if you're familiar with the city's action oh, center yeah. overgrown grass and things like that. It has some of those items on there. Um, and it's, it's a, What's really nice is it integrates better than sending a tweet into the system to actually solve that problem. Nice. So I've reported something and I get a notice back on the app, hey, this has been sent to this department. This is here's oh, the nice. progress on this issue. And um, I, I use the app a lot to see yeah. where the next bulk waste pickup is. Like if yeah. I have tree branches. Nice. There's you know, yeah, there's information right there. out yeah, there. Too. I have reported potholes and they have been fixed. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And that makes wow. they can't possibly drive and look for potholes everywhere. So the right. I mean they just by the nature of getting information, 
they can be more efficient sure. <laughs> in going and fixing them. They also fixed my pothole after I reported it. There you go. And wow. it was kind of satisfying to see that process take place. You know what the app is called? It's OKC Gov. Yeah, yeah if you search, oh, if you, if you search OKC Gov, and um, I know, I mean, obviously, people can't see, but like I'm looking at the last thing I reported, which was a few nights ago. You know, out walking my dog late night, and noticed some lights were out at Classen, mm-hmm. and so it allows you to put in what it is. You pick your category. I mean, you can even put a photo, which I did. Oh, cool. Of, mm-hmm. of what the of what the problem is, it geo tags it. Um, that is awesome. But is there uh, is w- there anything part of the app that might tell you what it would be on like the agenda of city council coming yeah, up? Does it do it, that too? And it, I mean, right now, and so it's still pretty early. Um, and uh, and that's the so the main like unique function of it is to be able to report problems. But if you go to the homepage of the app, it will funnel you to those pages on the website. Oh, so you nice. can click on meeting notices. Now it'll funnel you to the mm-hmm. you know the mobile website. Um, and I know that's something that they oh. are in the process of you know of trying to continue mm-hmm. to build up. One thing is really interesting. It was a few weeks ago. I was asking them since they launched this just a few months ago. I was curious. Well, what's the, what's the biggest uh, a complaint on um, tall grass is, is, is one of the biggest complaints. And they had said that the maker, and I'm trying to, I can't remember the, the maker of the app, but they do a lot of stuff for cities and they were really impressed with all just already yeah. the usage. I of hadn't this heard app. that. That's really um, interesting. That just in the first few months, they were just like, we haven't seen this kind of, you know, you, you know, use, you know, this that's early fantastic. on. Um, and so that's pretty great. And I also did mention the redesign of the website, which they're already mm-hmm. in the process mm-hmm. of working with focus groups and that kind of thing. So that'll be out sometime over the next year. So I, I think the city has, you know, is, is, really trying to embrace that kind of uh, communication, you know, with citizens. Yeah. Well, it was something we were talking about prior to the show starting, but talking about the engagement of Oklahoma city in general seems to be outpacing even much larger, more established cities. Um, And we see this on Twitter. We see that through things like this app and the website. And I think to kind of pull this back around to the sort of discussion of this show, like that's what even started our whole desire to do this show was right. like we saw the engagement of the city we saw these things happening and what surprised us the most was running into people that didn't know about things now we looked yeah. at it from a perspective of oh we didn't know the pump had opened yet how can you not know that it opened like, right we live in all some of us are in a bubble about stuff like that <laughs> right. because we care yeah. so much about it that we hyper follow those mm-hmm. things right. I'm, I'm like driving by the pump <laughs> trying to figure out are they open yet are they open right. yet right <laughs> We were doing the same thing, and and we, in sort of that story behind that is we reached out to the owners when they were constructing and got some inside information. They were like, "Oh, well, when you see the neon sign turn on, we're open." And so, we're, okay, now we can just look at it from two blocks away, instead <laughs> right. of driving by and looking in the windows and and seeing all that stuff. But that's what prompted us to push into the podcast was we started looking around, and there weren't podcasts going. I mean, obviously, we, Capital City, we found, but that was really it. That was even remotely talking about yeah, what more was newsy, going yeah, on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't set out to be a, like a news type thing, but we we wanted to tell the stories. We wanted to to convey this information to people, and I think that's something we found is really it, it's been more effective than we expected it to be. Um, more people have responded. People are reaching out to us now, and I think it's between Twitter, between websites, between podcasts, between print media. Between, I mean, I think hitting as many different media types in a community as possible is going to burst into more people's bubbles. Right. Because, yeah, maybe I don't read the Gazette every week, mm-hmm. but I might have a 45-minute commute to Norman, and I love podcasts. Yeah. Or maybe I hate podcasts, and I only listen to NPR, but I really like Twitter. Or maybe I'm really into right. Vine or Instagram. And I think that's what's interesting to me, too, is how the, our community is embracing all these different things. I mean, there's not an organization out there that doesn't have an account on every single social network. And Which, When I visit other cities, I'm surprised 
that not every restaurant in their city has a Twitter account that's posted their daily special. Right. I, it's like my default. I I was just in Dallas last week and we were trying, you know, we were looking for places to go eat lunch and I'm, I'm looking on their Twitter to see the most up-to-date information and I can't even find them on Twitter. And I, I had to step back and say, we, I think we're a little unique in that every small business interacts on such a casual level like that, mm-hmm. and so frequently. Very frequently. Yeah. Um, when we started this show, I actually had to go in and reconfigure my entire Twitter account. When I first got on Twitter years ago, I didn't know who to follow. I didn't. None of my friends used it, so I just followed about 100 comedians. <laughs> and when we started doing this, I had to go unfollow all of them and start following everybody in Oklahoma City, like all of you guys and you know, Mick Cornette, and just had to change and reconfigure the whole thing so that that would be my feed because so much comes through. Well, I think yeah. one of the things I started doing too is I began following local people. I would be going through my Twitter feed and be like, well, that's not local. Why the hell is that on here? Yeah. So like unfollowing yeah. things that are local. City. Yeah. Like that, that happened in that New York. Goes, that I goes know back about that. to our extreme source of pride for our city, and and I kind of ag- agree with what Ben said earlier. If any city is going to completely change the way that their citizens interact with the, the place, Oklahoma City can do that. Like, I mean, yeah, and it's because we we are so we've come from so far. Like, I think our citizens are so proud of our city. Absolutely, and you see that in the way that we, you know. We support events, mm-hmm. even when p- you you see people coming to events, they don't even really want to buy anything there. They don't want to do. Any- they just want to make sure that they go, so that they know that that event can be successful going forward. They know that those vendors or that food truck can make it. Right. You know, I'll buy a token item if it means that 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 person can can keep going because I like what they're doing. And yeah, you know, I was uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so General Electric, which is building a new facility here in Oklahoma yep. City, they had their shareholders meeting, and I went to this uh, dinner. There was a couple of journalists and some some of the G executives, and we were just talking about the city. And they were all from, um, they all were from Manhattan. They worked in Thirty Rock. I mean, so they were, and they had spent the past week in kind of Oklahoma City and getting to know the city. And two guys I was talking to from New York, kind of young guys, they were talking about how much they really enjoyed being in Oklahoma City. And one of the guys said, this feels so much like Brooklyn. And I was like, what? I've never heard that before. Are you serious? <laughs> oh my gosh, I my heart just exploded. I, know, I, said, I said there's tons of people that would love that wow, compliment. Wow, please, please unpack that because I'm not sure I buy what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Tell me. And uh, he says, well, we were talking about this, that, the, that Brooklyn is kind of the at least it was, it was kind of the livable neighborhood part of, of New York City. People kind of got, you know, Manhattan was just, you know, it was just is what it was. It wasn't really a livable place for a lot of people. And they went to Brooklyn to have a little bit more of a street level life, but also because that was a place where you could go and be a pioneer and launch something. Yeah. And that's what they were talking uh, about okay. that they saw here is that um, urban Oklahoma City, as we were in Midtown, seemed like a very livable place. I mean, there's room to improve, obviously. But there were families, there was a community, and it was also a place that kind of had a pioneer spirit of, you know, I want to do this, I'm going to go just do it. I mean, and they were talking about the, to the new jerky place on the Hudson. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they were like, that's something you'd see in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I mean, just somebody's like, I want to open up a jerky store. Now, someone asked me, if a friend asked me about that, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I mean, a jerky <laughs> store. Like, I, I don't know. I just, but I mean, but here is a place right now. Um, we where do you love can, our jerky. You, in oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can go and you can just do it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's underserved market. And it's kind of the wild west right now when it comes to small businesses, of which was what Brooklyn kind of was. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's that way anymore, but that's kind of where he was coming from at. Um, those personal connections, that community engagement yeah. is what can make those businesses actually work in this environment. And it's, I think it's the difference between going into 
a Starbucks where you don't ever see the same employees working and you're just want you're you're an anonymous customer there. Not that I, I still support Starbucks. I'm, I right. still go to a Starbucks. But the difference between that and me walking into Elemental and knowing the barista and knowing mm-hmm. the owner and giving a high five, taking my coffee and leaving, that makes that a better experience. That makes me feel more connected to Oklahoma City yeah, when exactly. I have that Elemental experience versus... Yeah. Yeah, and I've gotten used to if I go into Elemental and there's a new worker and they don't know my name, I get kind of oh, yeah. pissed off. <laughs> yeah. like, like, Do you not right. get a I portfolio like, of all like, the yeah. customers when you start like, working? Well, yeah. Go find someone else. That don't you get to interview longer, the please. new employees too? Yeah. Or they ask yeah. me, do you have a Keep It Local card? And I'm like, what? You, you just asked me? You just asked me? Do you know you're talking to? I got a Keep It Local card. I kind of get offended when I get asked that question. I think I'm like wearing a Keep It Local t-shirt right now. No, and you know, we talk so we talk about community engagement, and this is another thing that Allison and I have talked a lot about is that there is that real there's that community buy in right now, and what we need to see for the city to move forward is that uh translate into civic buy in, yeah. yeah. So, the, the kind of line I always use is people can always tell you when the next H and H is, but they probably don't have a clue who their counselor is, right? Yep. Um, or they may not know when the next meeting is, or that kind of thing. And, and just so and people know, city council meetings are on Tuesdays at 10 at 8 or 8 30. Mm-hmm. So, just so people know, city council meetings on Tuesdays, if that's they, something you're they, not aware of, they have a video <coughs> feed of the council yeah. meeting and. There's usually one journalist there if there's something noteworthy on council that's doing some like. Uh, yeah, meetings. there's a few. Uh, so uh, Bill Crum from the Oklahoma who covers City Hall, he's there, um, myself, and then Brian from the Journal Record. Um, and then sometimes we'll get a couple news uh, cameras in if there's something that's kind of or suspicious. Or you but can sometimes, Ben will often, you'll often live tweet from the meetings. Yeah, sometimes like, that. I mean, a lot of times I'll go to a council meeting, I won't even write a story about it. I just was there just live tweeting. Yep. I mean, there wasn't anything really worth writing a full article about, but mm-hmm. I like to, and, and the great thing about me is we're talking about Twitter, uh, you know, not to jump around to topics, but I was talking to uh, some PR professionals the other day and they were saying like, what's the most important tool to use a journalist? I was like, well, probably Twitter. And I was surprised when there were other journalists around me that were kind of taken aback by that and you know when i'm at a meeting like a like a, a city council meeting or a school board meeting you know i live tweet because i want to inform people what's going on but um i love the interaction so people yeah. can respond mm-hmm. asking a question that i wouldn't have even thought about that i can actually ask right then and there like after the meeting i've done that a lot of times like at a school board meeting i'll get a question from a parent saying well you just tweeted this happened but what about this and i would never have known to ask that question after the meeting i go right up i can get that answer now sometimes it's just as simple as responding with that answer to that person that asked it sometimes it becomes a full story for me that i would never have got um without uh, without that online interaction so you 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 were helping people have a voice by proxy then yeah using I mean, that using that social media yeah tool. and in journalism there's such this there's always been this wall between the journalist and the and the reader, it's like you sit there and you listen to whatever I give you. Um, and uh, I mean, and just, uh, um, but I don't know. I just, to me, that just that's it's not a profitable mo- model anymore. I don't think, but it's it's just not good journalism. It's just, I mean, I am not an expert on this city. I, I I get the luxury that I get paid to learn about the city, so maybe I know more than some people. But you know, one of the reasons why it's important for me to interact with people like Allison is because she's actually like going through the motions of doing life in the city. You know, as someone who's in the, in the retail True, yeah. and kind of urban redevelopment game, you know, I'm watching from afar. You know, and I have contacts with people that I can get. You know, I can get questions answered. Allison's actually living it, so it's really great for me to be able to connect with people like that. Um, you know, to, to get that new perspective and that learn. I mean, if I'm going to, if I, I can't do this job isolated, I just, I don't know how it yeah. works. I don't think it's interesting to anybody and I just don't think it's good journalism. Well, you know, those live tweeting episodes that you do, 
I can't go to every school board meeting, but I know that the decisions that happen in that school board meeting actually affect Oklahoma City. And even on a very selfish level, that they will eventually affect me, too, whether it's my kids going there in the future or how how a neighborhood is interacting with their school. And so I, I enjoy the live tweeting, and that probably makes me more likely to go read that week's Gazette. Because you never know what you're going to pick out. You see you see the live-tweeted city council. You see live-tweeted um, school board meetings. And I'm always curious after reading right. those, you know, oh, did, did he find something in there that I didn't see? Or, or I wonder how that, that issue got resolved. And, I, I, you know, is there a story in this week's Gazette on it? So yeah. I think I've been a lot more likely as the Gazette personnel and you have started doing that more interaction on Twitter. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's great to hear. I, you know, I think it also allows to have that kind of relationship with the reader in a way to where, um, you know, at the industry flea last week, you know, and I had some people come who came up and, you know, because ben, of the stand that knew I, about, I have know, to, I have to do a quick plug. Ben has a, my intention. I know, but <laughs> Ben has a book that just came out. You have a book? Yes. What? And he was yeah. selling it at the industry flea. He was our, he was our bookstore. Last right weekend at the industry fleet, and it was in a very bow tie cool. That was, was dripping um, <laughs> It was a little warm. <laughs> but it was a book about the school system, and I promoted it on Twitter, and so some people came knowing that I was going to be there, and I, you know, and so people would come, and it was almost like they knew you, and I'd never met them before. Yeah. You know, and it was like we knew sure. each other, so you had that kind of familiarity. Um, and I don't, and so I don't mean to say it's like you're creating a brand for yourself. You're creating a relationship, yeah, right. um, that makes people more. Comfortable? Um, more com- yeah, yeah, more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just engaging with you, but maybe, you know, picking up the the Gazette that week and reading the story, right. to, and and it's kind of it becomes kind of a relational, you know, exercise in a way. At least I would hope so. I mean, we've definitely experienced that. I mean, going back to that ULI the Classen thing that I had known and communicated with Chad Huntington mm-hmm. for like years on Twitter. <laughs> And didn't didn't even connect the dots that he was in charge of the water taxi, what? which is literally <laughs> next door That's to me. So like great. I walked past him so every day for that five wall. years. Yeah. And so when when he approached me at the ULI meeting, he was like, "You're Steven. and I was like, "Yeah, I." Am. And I was like, "Oh, you're ch- okay, yeah." And I knew his Twitter handle better than I knew his name. And then we just started talking, and I was like. I had no idea we were literally that close to each other in proximity. And the same thing actually occurred with you at the Uptown. Uncorked. Yeah, uncorked, yeah. I, I knew, obviously, who you were. We were aware of Capital City, or Gazette, and all that stuff. I'd seen your picture numerous places, and I saw you there. And I was like, I've been meaning to run into him for months. I'm just going to go walk up and talk Let's to him. It. And it was I was I felt comfortable. comfortable. And then even turning around and saying who I was, you had some sense. Um, like I said, it wasn't like we yeah. had... It wasn't like I had a brand that you were aware of, but it was like, oh, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. I know, and vice versa. So I think that's what's another powerful part of this is you can meet somebody and talk to them. And even when Chad introduced me to you at that class and thing, like I already knew who you were and what you were doing. And I think that's a very important part of it because it, it breaks that it's like a barrier to entry. Like I'm not afraid to go introduce myself. Yeah. That's hard. I I think that we forget how hard it is to cold call, introduce yourself to someone, especially when you, you have no like, concrete basis for doing so but that's what makes the city work is those random connections that turn into something else later where you are in a partnership situation on a project like a better class and with some of these people you know that that's how those projects work random friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. really do contribute to that so twitter helps 
facilitate that. Yeah, another thing, uh, just one quick thing about Twitter. Another reason why I like it as a tool as a journalist is because it's your. That's the avenue that I'm most likely to get a response from someone. So let's say it's a totally. city official, because most <laughs> totally. most of the time, if somebody, that is a valid point. so if you've got their phone and you email them, they see that they got an email. Well, they may not. They're not going to check it for a couple hours. Even if you text someone, they may get a couple of texts. But I have found because people are very narcissistic, if they know that, <laughs> that everybody will, everybody wants a notification on their phone if yeah. they're mentioned on Twitter. <laughs> right. So if you if and if they see that, they will stop what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. what is someone saying about me on Twitter? Right. And so if I can email someone, text them, call, and leave a message for them. But if it's a, a politician or somebody, and I tweet them. They're going to respond in like yeah. 30 seconds. Well, that's one of the things I found out with the uh, the oil protest that was going on. Um, I was very vocal during all of that and then found myself in a couple of tweets getting wrapped up in tweets with Daryl Hannah. I was like, <laughs> like so you're like involved with Daryl Hannah in these tweets. And I saw a friend last night that, or this is kind of off subject, but yeah, was he was supposed to picture that Thomas had... Um, I guess mentioned Carrie Fisher in a tweet and like William Shatner re-mentioned it and liked it. And he was like, well, what do I do from here now? I, mean, I got, I got, I got mentioned and liked by Carrie Fisher and you screenshot that. Yeah, you yeah. screenshot yeah. it. Yeah. Put it on Facebook. He screenshot, yeah. he screenshot it and then retweeted it. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, we've, we've definitely found that too. Like we want to reach out to somebody, a civic leader or a restaurant or whatever to talk about or come to do the show. Twitter has been the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I think there's part of what you're saying. It's kind of a pu- public part of it. Like if you go out and you tweet and mention somebody's name, everybody in the planet can see that. Yeah. Right. And so their response or lack of response is also there. I mean, no. for all from their perspectives, like everybody's waiting to see when you respond, if you respond, what do you respond? This can be good or bad. Yeah. It can <laughs> be good or bad. You could yeah. take it the right way. You can take it well, the wrong way. You'll remember there was the one night we were sitting in the mule and we were working on what was going to be episode number four, which is the one where we talk about monuments, the Paseo monument, <laughs> right. the Ten Commandments. And we wanted to have, we wanted to have the guy that was running the Baphomet Twitter account and the guy that did the monument that's over in Paseo to Cthulhu. I had no idea who made them or who any of these people were. And literally within 10 minutes sitting at the mule on Twitter, we had found out who both of them were and had got them to come onto the show. Like it's how fast we were able to find out that information on Twitter, just asking people and sending questions out and how much people want to be involved and connected and talk about the things that are happening. I think that was the mind blowing event for me on Twitter was how easy it was. Who are, who are your uh, favorite local tweeters? Like who should we follow? That's a good question. That is a good question. Oh, well, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I look at, actually? Well, I, um, I follow all the journalists. All the journalists. I, I mean, yeah. Ben, Steve Blackmire. Steve, Steve, Steve Blackmire. Yeah. Molly Fleming. I mean, I, I try. I Anybody that all is the PR actively people. trying to do, re, do reporting on Oklahoma City, I follow them just mm-hmm. to see what they what they're doing. But I think Joe Wirtz is a really good. Joe, Joe Wirtz is yeah. great. Yeah. State Impact. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Ryan Cross. Drake. Yeah, Ryan Drake, local comedian Ryan Drake. Um, Greg Elwell writes for the Gazette. Yeah, um, you won't learn anything if you follow him. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, you'll, just, <laughs> nah, you'll be that's, entertained. You'll be entertained. You if know, you follow there's, Greg. There's a few. Get a like, one right. thing that's really interesting is, um, right. you know, there's a, so there's a tour handle um, OKC Advocate, um, who I actually met last week, and it's just a, 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 a you know guy that has a normal job that lives um, in the city and was doing a lot of research about 
Um, his name's Austin. It was doing a lot of research. I don't know why. I, it's too late now, but I shouldn't have said his name. So, anyways, that's um, he's doing a lot of research on like uh, a zoning and urban trends and that kind of thing. And I don't think it was to a point where he wanted to like start a blog or, or a website or, or you know do this full time. But a, a, you know, starting a Twitter handle, OKC Advocate, and is now able to just kind of tweet some of the things that he's mm-hmm. finding and that kind of thing. And so I've um, I've noticed that there are several people like that that have just taken to Twitter as a way of saying, you know, I'm already researching this stuff. I'm already like yeah. having these kind of com- conversations. And it's not like these Twitter feeds yeah. are what you follow well, for and, daily and, updates. And Chase, but. thank you for asking that question. It's interesting to look in this room right now after Chase asked that question. All We're of us all are looking, yeah. on the phone scrolling up. But it's actually it's something that is neat to point out is um, before I started using you know social media as a source for like information there would be times where people would complain about oh everybody's got their phones up and everybody's looking on their phones or if you go out to eat with friends I know people that have done the type of thing where let's say all right everybody stack your phones in the middle of the table and you're going to be off of your phone during this it's transitioned more and out is like a lot of times when you see us on our phone like we're we're getting information we're trying to find out information and right. and get you know sources for things it's not we're doing it just because we're bored we're doing yeah. it because we're we're finding stuff out well and i had this conversation last night with my brother at a family dinner we were talking about he was talking about it's interesting how he's looking at the generations of our family because we were all together and how each generation kind of had its own little thing they like to use like my parents are more into facebook and, yeah. and the older generation seem more into facebook where his daughters they don't touch facebook they're instagram and snapchat yeah, and grandma's and on twitter there. and i think that's something that's changed is and, and then we're also getting into conversations about FaceTime and how it allows my, my mom to interact with her grandchildren face-to-face even though they live in other cities. And there was a stigma for a while that being on your phone, you were disconnecting people around you. Right. But it's almost taking a shift now where mm-hmm. like being on your phone is you can interact with people. Maybe they're not the ones sitting literally across the table from you, but they're, they're the people that are important. Or like you're saying, you get a mention on Twitter and maybe it's a conversation you've been wanting to have or it's something just happened that's important. I mean, how many things have happened in the world now that Twitter was literally right. the catalyst for huge change yeah. or huge revelations and reporting? I mean, everything from riots to uprisings to bombings to whatever. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about you know, yeah. it as a tool for being connected. Well, and that's what, I mean, you talk about like, uh, you know, like the riots in, in Baltimore the past week. I mean, how how many articles can you read about what's going on? They're all pretty similar. Yep. But, you know, Twitter, social media, even, you know, new platforms like Periscope. Periscope. I mean, now right. it's allowing you to actually get kind of an insider's perspective of what's going on. And so for me, like I said, there's been lots of events where I've gone to where I haven't even written about it, but I've just used Twitter. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, should I, should I write a story or did I waste my time if I don't write a story and that kind of thing? Um, but, uh, but, but no, because I, I already tweeted it. People know what's going on, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it kind of gives you that insider perspective. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, things like Periscope, I think, is, is going to be, I mean, at least for me as a journalist. Uh, Any time that we see a notification that Gary England's on Periscope, we stop what we're doing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so what's what Gary England's up to? <laughs> it's usually hot dog stand? Our friend Eric, we're, we had brunch again oh, at the yeah. pump and... My friend Eric said that he likes to go to bed to Periscope, the hot dog stand here. Yeah, we'll take, w- we'll turn on Periscope. <laughs> oh, that's true. They do. Point yeah. it at the line. Yeah. No, I actually <laughs> and leave it up for an hour. I actually was at the hot dog stand the other night. Oh, Eric saw you <laughs> on there. I was at the hot dog stand the other night, and I noticed their phone was sitting there, and they had like one of those gorilla pods like wrapped around something, and it was just sticking out the window, and I was like, what? And then minutes later, as I was walking down the street, I got the. Whoosh, 
or whatever the sound is. And I look and it's like, oh, OKC Hot Dog is live on Periscope. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, they were live streaming this whole thing. Eric's in my goes, and he goes, I think I just saw Steven on uh, on Periscope at the hot dog stand. <laughs> it's crazy. While he was going to bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's <laughs> interesting. Good to know. I mean, that's a dumb side as you're now getting to this point in our lives where <laughs> you might be live on the internet now. You don't even know it. You don't even know it. I might be I periscoping we right this. now. Is that not? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Steve and I, I was on Twitter, and I, I noticed Allison and Ben are within. They, they both have almost 2,700 followers. They're, you have Allison you has two me? fewer then what? Ben, oh, Ben, you have yeah. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. let's see if we can race is on. The race is on. <laughs> That's incredible. I'm really fighting the Instagram battle right now. So ben. <laughs> I, are you more hey, active on Instagram, or are you I, pretty? Well, active you know on? what's interesting is for information and kind of um, staying updated on restaurant openings and development in Oklahoma City, Twitter. But when it comes to events, people interact differently with their environment during an event. They don't really want to be on their phone during an event. So Instagram works really well. They snap a couple photos. And then as they're leaving, they post their favorite one on Instagram. And so as we have started doing more regular events, Instagram has become more important to, I mean, the moment that we launch an event idea the Instagram, our Instagram account is the number one thing that we do because that's where we connect. That's where we get the most questions from visitors. Like, where is that space? Do they have any pie left? I mean, asking the important hard hitting yeah, questions. Like, exactly. Um, <laughs> so it was very in, important on pie day. In, Instagram, yeah. the, the pie is really good. I'm not going to lie. Um, Instagram is where we get a lot of those questions. And I think it's an, it feels, it feels even less, formal than Twitter to do that maybe. And it's quicker. It kind of has a, has a, I was there. I noted that I was there with this image and, and left. It works well when you're there with a group of people and and you do want to actually talk in person with with the people that you're there with. There was a stat I saw and I'm going to totally botch it. It's not accurate, but you'll get the general idea. It was a couple years ago. It was something I think Facebook put out that a a link on Facebook or post on Facebook was like 95% more likely to be clicked on and viewed if there was a picture associated Mm -hmm. with it than if it was just text. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Instagram is pretty, like regardless of what's going on, Mm -hmm. it's just pretty. There's pictures or video or whatever. Twitter can be sometimes boring if you're scrolling through and it's just a bunch of text. It feels like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm like reading a book. I don't want to read a book. I want to see what's going on. Um, And that's something that I've learned recently and, there's weird disconnect between Instagram and Twitter and how you can share things. Mm-hmm. And I've recently used this service called IFTTT. It's this online automation thing. It stands for if this, then that. And so you can go in and add your different social networks into this thing. And so now it's set up where if I post a picture to Instagram, then this service takes the image and tweets it with my text. So now my Twitter feed will get the Instagram picture in the Twitter feed as opposed to just the linked Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's interesting. I mean, I think that's true. It's in the thick of things. Instagram is the the winner because it's the portal. There's limited time opportunities. People still don't really want to have their phone out the whole time, you know? Yeah. And and Twitter does require a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as great as all this is, like for someone who works in, you know, print media and traditional media, this is, I mean, we are... um, I mean, the whole industry is still trying to rack their heads around what does this mean? Like, what yeah. do we do? How do we make money? How do everybody break it? Well, um, but, uh, I mean, it's like, could I be a better journalist if all I did was Twitter? Like, 
like if that would would I I wouldn't make any money. I mean, right. I would make very little money. But, Every other um, sponsored tweet. So there is, yeah, so there is, there's a little, um, you know, there's always that kind of dichotomy for us, which is why, like, in tradition, like, that's why when you talk about who to follow, there are lots of people out there who are not professional journalists that mm-hmm. are doing some great reporting, you know, and Allison is one of those people. Um, and, you know, that's, that's who we're competing with, really. I mean, wow. you know, those kind of, you know, Allison and I are, competitors in a way not we get the, paid the same on twitter too and that's exactly right. right that's exactly right yeah um but uh I'm, I'm taking away you know so when i say like maybe i should write a story or not well if i don't then i'm not putting it into the platform that actually still mm-hmm. pays my and my i think salary. the long form i ca- i kind of the short form twitter sometimes wears on me i s- totally. i'm still a full article reader um it's probably affected my book reading more than it's affected my current event news article reading because yeah. I, some of that time that I spend on Twitter, I think probably would have been dedicated to fiction books and things like that. I mean, if you look at it in the course of a day, but I think that those small, that small form, I always want a little bit more yeah. um, when it's a topic I care about. So and that's when, yeah. one of the reasons I prefer Twitter over Instagram is because you cannot, you know, if, if you wanted to direct someone to a, a longer story, yeah. you can't embed a link no. in Instagram. And that, that just drives me crazy. You see a lot of people now that are updating their, um, Profiles. Their profile link and yeah. its link and profile, but the nature of Instagram is kind of that it is live, and so I don't know that that stinks because if you go to click on that link and they've already updated it with the next link because you're you're searching through Instagram or you're using it as a resource, it's a it's a it's not a static link which. I would appreciate. There's a lot of things about Instagram, and it's successful <laughs> despite those issues. I, yeah, mean, I already know what you're going to say, too. I, it's like, the, I don't know. We could go on with, with the issues with Instagram, and yet it's still a platform that we love because of the, image, <coughs> the images and because of kind of how artistic some of, at least I try and follow really positive artistic Instagram accounts. You know. Yeah. Very good. Anybody... Want to say anything else about anything? You want to plug anything? We're kind of getting close to our time frame, so I do. I got something I want to plug. Actually, oh, yeah. Uh, oh right. Kind of going all the way back to Ben mentioning the dinner that you were at with the mm-hmm. people from GE and that sort of spirit. So this is this is this is kind of our promotional plug here for the Paseo Amphitheater and people that have been listening to our show are from. We've had an episode about the Paseo Amphitheater, which is the one that the episode we did while we were drunk, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We did. We did one of those. It's pretty entertaining. But in in that spirit, one of the things that me and Aaron did, we, we're next door neighbors, and so we have combined our backyards in Paseo. We tore down the fence, oh, wow. and so we have one giant backyard that both of our households share. And uh, the theme song that we use for the show is called "Cement Truck" by an artist that we like out of LA named Joshua Path. And so we were able to convince him to come out to Oklahoma City a couple of years ago and play a concert. And we're like, "Well, where, where's he going to play?" So we kind of tossed around these ideas of different venues. We're like, well, what if we played in our backyard? It's like, we can't, you can't do that. I'm like, why can't you do that? So we found a way to do it. He, Aaron built a stage, and the, half of my backyard is a garden. And then we got Steven involved to come in and, and do the sound. We had a neighbor help us do these really cool lights. And we had this concert in, what was it, March of last year. And it was wildly successful like it, it went off really well when the two guys from LA showed up they literally thought that they were coming out 
out of somebody's backyard to sit on a couple of stools under like a, a garage light with an amplifier, you know, just to play in front of like 10 people. And they walked in and they're like, well, that's, this is a fully functioning venue. So we're like, okay, well, we can do this. So we held, uh, we actually did a comedy show next that summer. Um, brought out uh, Brad like, like Bradshaw Porter and Jenny Westbrook and yeah, James Nim. And then we brought Joshua Path back in September of last year. So we're like, okay, let's, let's keep this going. So the next idea that we have is at the end of this month to have a, a Pink Floyd cover band called Shine mm-hmm. from Norma's. Like, we got to pay for this. So here's yep. our shameless plug is yesterday we just launched a Kickstarter to nice. raise money for the 2015 season for what we call the Paseo Amphitheater. Nice. Never done a Kickstarter before. So it's kind of a little nervous. We've sort of a limit of ten thousand dollars. So we need people to get in donate. To not just <laughs> to not just share the link to Kickstarter on Facebook, but to actually go into the Kickstarter and give us money. And so yeah. that's something that we're looking for because in order uh, or for people when they do that, it, it helps us make the shows free. So, because this is going to be during the Paseo Arts Festival, so we're going to be competing with the Paseo Arts Festival. You can come into this really odd because I have uh, the gardens finished, so there's a full green garden growing. Steve, we're gonna have some awesome lights, and it's gonna be completely free for anybody so you can to go come from back the here. Say a arts festival to a Pink Floyd live cover band down to the pump. Yeah, and it's awesome. a really really cool atmosphere that we set up back there. Um, we have a, a really good friend of mine, Melissa Hyde, did our logo, so we're gonna make a big banner with this awesome Paseo Amphitheater logo. Now we just need kind of the money to pull it all off. Great. Yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, so, com yeah. is the website for that and we'll have the link to the Kickstarter. Yeah, the Kickstarter the Kickstarter links on there. It's also on our Facebook page. You can probably find kickstarter.com and do a search for Paseo Amphitheater and find it that way. Yep. But um, we need your money. So, <laughs> give it to yeah. us please. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make some awesome shows for you this year. So that's well, that, that's my plug. Perfect. That sounds awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 a fantastic time. Great. Well, thanks you guys for coming on. Or yeah, appreciate yeah, it. Thank you, got you for having you me. We got our little wrap-up speech to do. So as always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown. That's available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. And that album was recorded by Kurt PR. Kurt, Kurt's awesome. awesome. As again, we are We Apologize for the Inconvenience, weekly podcast here about Oklahoma City and the cool things going on. You can find us at waftyshow.com. That's W-A-F-T-I show.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, at waftyshow. We're on Facebook.com slash waftyshow, soundcloud.com slash waftyshow. We come in, we, we come out with a new episode every week. And remember, you guys, as you go out on your urban adventures and visit our new bars and Restaurants, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, your waitresses, and your bartenders. Show them some love. They're, out, they're working hard for you, making this a better place. Be nice. Yeah, thanks, Allison. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Chase. And I'm going to add great. on here in the spirit of our conversation, go get involved in the civic affairs. Yes. Find yes. out when the city council rally, meetings. Rally. Get the Oklahoma City Be OKC vocal. Gov app and, and get involved. Do you Be want informed. things to change? You can do it. So see you guys next week. Woo. Thanks. You get the I'll get the wine now, baby When I'm 